You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. And make sure to check out our live groups or small groups. This podcast is part of the series Family Matters with Doc Dino. So thank you for coming out tonight. It's an honor to be here uh, to talk about Family Matters. So families matter to God immensely. Nothing matters more. And for us, nothing should matter more than God. Amen? Amen. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The arm of the Lord has been revealed to those who believe in Jesus and trust in him and nobody else. He's our God, our salvation, and our hope and our future. So the order of business is tonight we're going to talk about who's your daddy. It's a four-week series that I'm going to lead you in if you all continue to show up. (laughs) Next week, I'm going to talk about the unique woman, and I'm about to get to trouble right now. Andrea, can you stand, please? Stand up. Come on. Come on. Come on. Stand up. Thanks. It's my lovely wife. We're one spirit, one flesh. Highly unique, so I'm qualified to talk on next week's topic. But more importantly, if it wasn't for her support, I would not be standing here. The week after, the third week, I'll be talking about children or heritage to the Lord and what that entails. And the fourth week is going to be kings and priests. Hold on to your hat for that. But tonight we're going to talk about family and how I perceive and how I think the word perceives what that's all about to help us have a deeper perspective on who we are in Christ. God created family. God created family. God is a God of relationship, not religion. That's the pattern. And the way he does that is through family. God is the creator. Satan is the perverter. Satan attacks everything and anything God makes. Look what's happening tonight in Ukraine. I've been to Kiev. It breaks my heart. I've known those people, a deeply religious city. The seat of Christianity in that world started there. And Satan is destroying families. So far, they're saying 364,000 refugees. It's going to be up to 4 million. The men can't leave. The women are leaving. Total chaos. Satan doesn't play fair. He's not nice. (laughs) He will try to destroy anything God makes. So tonight we're going to talk about who's your daddy. That's the quintessential question for all of us, for those who believe and for those who don't believe. Many are fatherless in this world through divorce, death, runaways, abusive, abusive fathers, fathers they never met, fathers who are drug addicts, fathers that are incarcerated, fathers that are emotionally estranged from their children. They may have a father at home, but he may be an absentee father in reality. 
And when children grow up in a situation like that, they really don't know how to act going forward, and it has detrimental effects on all of society. They don't even frequently know how to, how to identify with their Heavenly Father because they have, they're so estranged from their earthly father. Like, who is this God that put me in this situation? You can't identify with a father figure if you don't have a father. We all are imitators of what we see. If we put the first slide up. So we're going to talk about who's your daddy. It's God the creator, and Satan is the perverter of every, everything that God makes. Let's go to the book of Genesis, where God's first name was Elohim. That's the name used in Genesis as God is the creator. He created heaven and earth. And he created mankind to create family with him, to be in fellowship with him. The principle is family. The pattern is fellowship. Everything God does, he does according to a pattern, according to a principle. What we need to get into our spirits is how tightly God wants to be with us in fellowship. Not loosely, but tightly. Children are tight with their parents. We need to be that tight with our Heavenly Father. We don't know the whole plan of what really happened in heaven before the Garden of Eden, but we do know that Lucifer was kicked out. <laughs> he rebelled, he got kicked out, and his name became Satan. And God created Adam and Eve to be part of God's family. We're not sure why, except we're, we think it was to be a fellowship, to create a family for God to fellowship with. Adam sinned, got kicked out, and ever since then, Satan has dominion over this kingdom. Jesus said, his kingdom is not of this world. This was Satan's kingdom. Satan was told Jesus, if you give me X, Y, and Z, I'll give you whatever you want. Satan had, has dominion over this kingdom for now. But that will eventually come to an end. This morning, Terry uh, was singing about the Lord's Prayer. She sang the Lord's Prayer. And part of that is on earth as it is in heaven. And our family should be on earth as it is in heaven, that tight with the Father. But ever since the fall, there are now two kingdoms here on earth. There's God's kingdom. There's God's kingdom, peace, happiness, love, wholeness, prosperity, health, and light. Two kingdoms we can identify with. We can identify with God's kingdom, or we can identify with Satan's kingdom. War, lust, death, disease, destruction, darkness, sin. Everything evil is Satan. Everything good is God. We're here in church because we choose God. We choose Jesus. If you don't choose, by default, you're serving Satan. 
If you don't choose, you're serving Satan. And he's your daddy. If you choose God through Jesus Christ, then he's your daddy. There's no gray zone. There's one or the other. And once you choose, you're servant to the choice, whether you understand it or not. That's what happens. And that happens by default, and people don't know why they're getting beat up in this world. And well, they have no direction. So Jesus was asked by his disciples, and it's outlined in Matthew in the sixth chapter, how do we pray? And he said in this manner, because everything God does is because he does according to a pattern. So the pattern was the Lord's, what we call the Lord's Prayer. In Greek, it's called the Our Father, because the first two words are patirimon. Can we bring that up? Thanks. Patirimon is Our Father in Greek. And if anybody's interested to see what that looks like, I have a New Testament Greek right here, and I can show it to you what the Lord's Prayer looks like in Greek. It says, Paterimon oentis uranis, our Father who art in heaven. And in Greece, it's referred to as the Paterimon, not the Lord's Prayer. The Greek language is what the New Testament is written in. And does anybody here find that odd, given that None of the writers in the New Testament were Greek. <laughs> Given that Jesus spoke Aramaic. <laughs> Given that when they started the Bible, the Old Testament at that time, it was written in Hebrew. How could that be? Peter was a fisherman. <laughs> he wasn't a university scholar. They were fishermen from Galilee. Especially in Galilee, the predominant language is also all Aramaic. But God has a plan. He's in charge of everything on earth, even, even what's going on in the Ukraine. He's in charge. He knows what's going on. He has a plan for all of us, and a plan for us as a body. Daniel, 600 years BC, prophesied that Alexander the Great, there would be somebody like Alexander the Great rising up and conquering the world. The dead period between Malachi, 450 BC, and the birth of Christ was over 400 years. You would think God was asleep, because <laughs> nothing's being written, but he doesn't sleep and he doesn't slumber. He was repairing the world for the coming of Christ. In about 323 BC, Alexander the Great conquered Macedonia, Greece, Persia, Asia Minor, the Middle East, Egypt, and India. And when he died after reigning for 13 years, the lands were split up to his oldest generals and they ruled those nations. 
And guess what language became the common language, like, like English is today? Greek. Kinney Greek, they call it. Common Greek, not ancient Greek. The New Testament Greek is something between Old Testament Greek and everyday Greek today. And somehow, the writers of the New Testament, I'm amazed when I look at this and grammatically how perfect it is, <laughs> that they were able to write Scripture by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in a language that God wanted the whole world to read, because that's what everybody spoke then. So there's no excuse. <laughs> No excuse at all for what was being written, so they would understand it. There's also another reason, I believe, that the richness in some of the ancient, some of the Kini Greek at the time explains more to how God feels about certain things. We get more revelation out of it in the Greek. When, who was here this morning? Who was, who was not here this morning? Several of you were not here this morning. You need to listen to pastor. <laughs> you, need to, you, need to, you need to listen to that, okay? Because he's getting more and more revelation from the word as he preaches. There's two, there's two words for the word in Greek. One is logos, which is the written, as it's written in Greek. The other one is rhema, the life it has. And the more life you get out of it as you read it, the more you give it out. Jesus is the word made flesh. He's the alpha and the omega. He referred to it as it is written. He came to fulfill the word. Family in New Testament Greek is ekos, which means house or household. Your household. You all have a father on earth. You were born somewhere in a household. Whether you identify with it, whether you want to reject it, whether you want to embrace it or not, your earthly family existed. In modern-day Greek, it's ikoyenia, which is your generational family. In certain countries, and when I was in Greece, when you sign up for something, and they ask for your name, part of what you're filling out on those papers is your, also your father's name. So they know your generation. In Greece, I'm Kosadinas to Gerasimo Spiro Thalaportis. I am Dino of Jerry Spiro, my father's name. Just like in the Bible, the lineages are listed for Jesus. It has meaning who you came from. We are part of the family of God. That's who we come from. We come from the family of God. And that's what counts for us. In Hebrew, mishpasha is the name for family. It comes from the root. I'm good at Greek, but not good at Hebrew. <laughs> Yeah, you want to know the difference? Shapa. Shapa means to join. So it's it's joining, it's a joining together. Okay? It's a joining together. Okay? So you 
you were born of a mother and father, you are family on earth. And when you accept Jesus Christ as your savior, <laughs> you're born into the family of God. Can we uh, flip to the next? That's how you say Padirman, our father, in, uh, phonetically. I didn't want to put the Greek letters up there. Next slide. So when you say our father, and you want to identify with our father in heaven, how do we do that? Jesus said in John 14, 6, he is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the father but through him. Because there are many religions out there that actually believe in a God, but not in Jesus. And God is toned after them. The only way to get to the Father, the only way we can legitimately call him our Father is to accept Jesus and his shed blood. Romans 5.9, we're justified by his blood. Without the blood of Jesus, there's no coming to the Father because Adam sinned and we are our sinful nature. We're all sinners. If you look at Galatians 4.4, 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. So even though we're of a fallen nature from Adam, we become adopted into the family of God. And because you are sons, God has set forth his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Abba is Aramaic. That's the language Jesus spoke. So your heavenly father means that much that it's said twice here. <laughs> it's said in Aramaic and it's said in Greek. It's said Abba and Pater. Paterimon is your heavenly father. To the degree that you trust him as your heavenly father is the degree you trust God. We talk about trusting the Lord in church all the time. If you don't trust your heavenly father, Jesus interceding for you, you're not trusting God. If you go to Romans 8, 14, similarly, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. We are adopted into the family of God, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, again. The Aramaic followed by the Greek. So a lot of people think Christians are weird, and they're probably right. <laughs> we, we are. I mean, we're just strange. We don't really belong down here. <laughs> we're, we're strange people. That's okay. I'd rather be a strange 
person belonging to God than common to the world, right? We're strange. We're weird. First of all, we have two fathers. Who says that? (laughs) We have a heavenly father. We have a heavenly father and an earthly father. And then we believe in three gods, they think. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What's that about? (laughs) I mean, try to explain the Trinity to somebody. They look at you like, what? (laughs) But that's the reality of it. And sometimes the confusion for us in family matters is is living in this world with the norms and the sociology and the customs and figuring out about Christianity. (laughs) Figuring out the whole thing. Because we live every day and interact with the norms of society which sometimes are contrary to the commandments of God. Okay? Let's go back to Genesis so we get a clearer understanding of what really happened there. So, uh, flip to Genesis on the slide up there, Genesis 1, I think it's Genesis 1.26. Next slide. So, in Genesis, God made man from the dust and then breathed life into him and then created Eve. Elohim, our creator, created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. That was, the, that was creating family. That was creating family and telling us to procreate and to go forward. And then in Genesis 2.24, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. This is in the second chapter of the Bible already. God's giving us commandments about family. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh, and they they should become one flesh. That's when children leave their families to a man a boy will leave his family to marry a woman become one flesh so what happened in the garden god commanded adam to eat of the fruit of the garden but not of the tree of good not the tree of good and evil Correct? We all know the story. Eve ate the apple. Eve was deceived. Eve did not sin. The command was given to Adam, not to Eve. Eve was deceived. When Eve was deceived, what was Adam doing? (laughs) Where was he? Yeah, he was where some of our wives think we are, not doing what we're supposed to do. (laughs) I'm sure that's what was going on. I mean, Adam was messing up. (laughs) I mean, 
the you I normally speak the men, not the woman, but I get it. <laughs> he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. That's what was going on. And so Adam and Eve were kicked out. It took two chapters of the Bible for them to get kicked out. <laughs> That's what it was. Two chapters, they were evicted. Because <laughs> the man screwed up, right? <laughs> right, guys? We mess up all the time. It doesn't take much. <laughs> we mess up, we get evicted. <laughs> We're not getting together as a family with God like we were in the garden until Revelation 19.7, the marriage supper of the Lamb. God's got a plan. It's going to take that long for it to unfold. We go to um, Genesis 3.15. So right after this happened, God put forth his plan, how to restore all this. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So Satan may bruise Jesus' heel, but, he's gonna, but he stepped on his head and crushed him in the garden. Let's see, the first garden, there was an eviction. <laughs> the second garden, there's a resurrection. It's a resurrection in the second garden. Jesus is re resurrected himself and stepped on Satan's head and restored us and gave us a way to restore to the Father fully. So we go from eviction to the generations. We went 10 generations to Noah, and God was so fed up with the world that he sent flooding. So the garden got wiped away. <laughs> because he wanted to have another garden. <laughs> the garden got wiped away by the flood. Ten generations later, Abraham, the father of our faith, who has a really special heart in Christianity because we are of the same faith as Abraham. He was justified by faith, which we are. And in Genesis 12, 2, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families. And the word that was used is mishpasha, which is the joining. I want to go to um, Ephesians 3:15. This is what this is how important family is to God. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. 
from whom the whole family and heaven and earth is named. Humanly speaking, we link the identity of a husband, wife, and children to their particular family. Family is a word that's, a, that's actually rooted in God. God is father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is a divine family. God is our father, our husband to his people. God is like a nurturing mother. And Christ, Jesus, is the bridegroom of the church. And there's the marriage supper of the Lamb coming in Revelations. We belong to him now as tightly as we will then to the degree that we believe. And that's what matters with family. So we have the first garden experience and the second garden experience where God shed his blood for the resurrection. But in between, there was another garden. The garden that counted significantly, the garden of Gethsemane. It was the garden of choice, the garden of decision. You could turn to Mark 14.36, I think it is. It's not listed up there. I added this. Yeah, 1436, Jesus is in the garden struggling with going to the cross. And he says, Abba, Father, again, the word Abba, the Aramaic, Abba, Father. It's an endearing word of respect. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. The Father did not take the cup away, but Jesus had a choice. Adam had a choice in the garden. Adam's choice after Eve bit the apple was, don't bite the apple. And he did. He chose to sin. Jesus had a choice. So the first Adam sinned. We end up in this mess. <laughs> the second Adam restored us because he had a choice, so he died for us instead of living. He shed his blood for us so we could be restored to the Father. And he went to the cross. Natural families, um, it's kind of interesting. I had this conversation with my wife several times about things we see in families. And if something goes wrong in a family, why is that? And every time something goes wrong in one family, they think they're the only ones going through something. Right? They think they're the only ones. Well, the whole Bible is full of dysfunctional families. Right. Look at the first family, Adam and Eve. The first family, not the White House family, the Garden of Eden family. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to go there tonight. I'm staying away from the I'm not going there tonight. Well, Cain murdered Abel. <laughs> the very first family. He was over jealousy, and he ran and became a fugitive. Then you go, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We talk about them. Isaac had twin boys, Jacob and Esau. That was a mess. 
The mother talked, eyes into, talked Jacob into stealing Esau's birthrights. And then he fled and wanted to marry Rachel. And that ended up, it took 14 years because his uncle connived him and made him a slave, more or less, to get Rachel. His sons, when Jacob had sons, Joseph's brother sold him into slavery. Wow. If any of our brothers or sisters did that, what would we say? Correct? And Pastor talked about David just a few weeks ago, what, he, what happened with his family. Amnon was a rapist, raped his sister. Absalom killed him. Absalom died trying to overthrow his father. And let's talk about Jesus' family. Was it perfect? Okay, how many of you left children in the church and went home and didn't realize it? I mean, they went a whole day. A whole day didn't realize that he was with them at 12 years old. So in society, like the way the secular world looks at things sociologically and what we learn in school over sociology is a norm is a pattern or standard of behavior expected of each member of a social group, okay? And that's how we react. And we have different types of families in the world today. We have nuclear family, which is a husband and a wife and children. We have extended family, reconstituted families, childless families. We now name them all. Uh, grandparent families, unconventional families. And what I'm gonna say about the unconventional families is when the founding fathers came, to, came here and established our nation, there was no such thing as unconventional families. So the norms change. If you go by the norms of the world, you're gonna get off course. Words, God's word never changes. Our conduct is dictated by the word of God, not by the norms of society. Nothing wrong with traditions. Traditions bind a family. Family traditions are great. They're binding and they help us stay together as a family. Customs of a nation bind us together. That's wonderful. Thanksgiving is a great holiday. Go overseas, you don't even know what they, they don't even know what they're talking about. <laughs> They have no idea. It's a man-made custom, which is fine. How about what they do? When I was at a Christian Men's Network meeting with my international brothers in ministry, my brothers from Thailand said this. They're having trouble. They're being persecuted. And they're being persecuted because a lot of the women they were ministering to were getting saved. And these were young girls in the villages that were leaving Thailand to go to Bangkok to be prostitutes to support their families. And the girls considered it an honor. That was their tradition. Their tradition was teenage girls leave the village, go to Bangkok, become sex workers, send money back as an honor to their parents. 
Let's go to Mark 7. Six through nine. Well, well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written, the people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching us doctrines, the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandments of God, you hold to the tradition of men. The washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. And then he said, all too well, you reject the commandments of God that you may keep your traditions. There's nothing wrong with traditions, but God's word trumps traditions. God's word trumps it. And we, as in our weird relationship with the world, <laughs> as we are in our Christian walk, are trying to balance, we have to balance for traditions of what we are doing and how we conduct ourselves with the commandments of God and our walk with God. Why fathers? Why are fathers that important to the world? We know they're important to God. We believe God's word. But what does the world say about it? Okay? So, First of all, there's an attack on the family with divorce, discord, fatherless families, abortion. And this is where I don't bend. <laughs> and I'll even say it if it's taped, that abortion is murder. Okay, since Roe v. Wade in 1974, 63 million abortions. Okay, ready? 20 million Afro-American babies killed. In 1960, there were only 20 million Afro-Americans in this country. That's genocide. And that's how the politics of this world has switched that around. So Satan's, Satan is out to kill everybody kill families, kill babies, make families fatherless. Okay, we're going to talk about Russia a little bit. It's called the motherland for a reason. 26 million Soviet citizens died in World War II. Over 8 million soldiers. It became a fatherless nation. So what happened? By 1955, they had more alcoholism in Russia than any other country in the world. And it doubled up and through 1975. They actually outdrank the French, which is really hard to do. <laughs> Alcoholism more than 50% of the, of, of the country. It was totally rampant. No fathers. Our statistics here in this country, 63% of youth suicides, no father. 90% of runaways, no father. 55% of children who have uh, behavioral, significant behavioral problems, no fathers. 71% of dropouts, no fathers. 75% of rapists, no fathers. 75% of adolescents with substance abuse and substance use programs, no fathers. 70% of juvenile and state operation institutes, no fathers. 
If you don't have a father, you have a 100% chance more of being in jail. It's doubled. Ending up in jail. How about those who don't have a mother? Well, the mental illness is unbelievable that goes up in those who don't have a mother. Depression, suicide, eating disorders, anxiety, addiction, difficulty holding and forming significant relationships. God's way is the best way. <laughs> God's way is the best way. The kids come out dysfunctional, and then what happens? Dysfunctional people breed dysfunctional families. Children of abused parents abuse. So what is the answer? Jesus is the answer. It's godly men, godly women, godly families, and the house of God. Jesus said, my father's house is called the house of prayer. What's the word for house? Ecos, family. My, fa my father's house is a family of prayer. It's a family of prayer. The answer is Jesus. Christ-likeness and manhood are synonymous. Being a male is a matter of birth. Being a man is a matter of choice. Men need to choose Jesus. Okay? They need to choose Jesus. And when we choose Jesus, we are to become like it. Christ-likeness and manhood are synonymous. Jesus was a servant leader. The old English word for family is familus. That means servant. The night before Jesus Christ, the night Jesus went to Gethsemane to make that choice, he washed the feet of the disciples. He became a servant. He was a servant leader. So you say, where is the spiritual value of, what is, where is the spiritual value of family? It's the, it's the losing of self entirely, every member for the mutual benefit of the family as a whole. We are to lose ourselves of ourself and dedicate ourselves to our family, every member. There's two, two men I want to talk about before we close. One is in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a godly man. He was king of Judah in Jerusalem. And the Amorites and the Moabites, he was told, were coming against him, just the way the Russians are coming against the Ukraine. And he knew he could not win. He knew he could not win. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, he fasted, he called for a fast in Judah. And he said in verse 12, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. He looked up to the Lord. He was in right standing. He looked up and Jerusalem was spared without losing one person. They were spared. Let's go to Luke 16. 
So this is an interesting story about the rich man Lazarus. And the beggar was called Lazarus, full of sores. He was at the gate every day. He eventually died and went to Abraham's bosom, which is what they called heaven, Abraham's bosom. And the rich man, the angels carried him to Abraham's bosom. This is in the red. This This is what Jesus said. He said, so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham and being in and Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades in hell, because he didn't know the Lord, he didn't know God, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. This is what's going to happen for those who don't believe in Jesus. Send Lazarus, they may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am tormented. And Abraham said, no, there's a gulf between us. He was looking from the outside in, not from the inside up. He couldn't couldn't do what Jehoshaphat did of being in right standing, looking up to God. He was on the outside, looking in, can't get there. But then he said, I beg you, therefore, send him to my father's house. I have five brothers. He could testify to them so they wouldn't come here. The pull for family is what God puts in us. The man in hell was begging for someone to tell his brothers to save them. His daddy was Satan. He was on the outside looking in, and yet he wanted his family saved. So I ask you tonight, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Is it our Father God in heaven? the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're unsure, then I'm telling you right now, you're, you're, if you're unsure, your daddy is Satan, and he's going to eat your lunch. Is anybody here not sure? Any hands going up? Anybody? Not sure. Is anybody here who needs, wants to be strengthened in a relationship with the Father? Can we all do a better job with that? Okay. We all can. Can't we? We can all focus on God. Pastor, this morning, what did you say? The Word. Every morning, right? Stay in the Word. Get close to the Father. Understand. Many of us would die for our kids. Our Father sent His Son to die for us already. Understand that's how much He loves us. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I lift up everybody here, including myself, They would have a greater revelation on who you are, Father God, in the name of Jesus. We accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and by his shed blood, we come to you, Father. Draw us unto you, Lord. Give us revelation. Protect us. Be with us. Guide us. Speak to us by your Holy Spirit, and that we pray that your perfect will be done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. Make sure to check out our live groups or small groups.